Exodus chapter number 38, in verse number 8 this morning, we'll read one verse, and then I'll read some other verses as we get through the message this morning, and uh, I'm not preaching anything new this morning, uh, nothing un, unknown or nothing that hasn't already been in the Word of God, but I do feel like <laughs> I'm probably preaching something that you've probably never heard preached on or out of, or a text at least. And if you have, uh, just pretend like you haven't. And uh, I'll pretend right there with you. And I, it's not original. Uh, I wasn't just sitting out there and God opened up my brain and slapped it in there. I was reading a book and uh, on uh, different cu customs in the culture of Bible days. And the author was writing about this particular verse and uh, the Lord hasn't let me get away from it and uh, be praying that I'd be able to get it out like I got it in and then also pray for Tuesday night. Pray the Lord's already given me the thought for, for Tuesday night as well uh, and for tonight as well. Uh, we'll be back on our study of the church tonight and looking at the pastor. And uh, so be praying for that tonight. Be back tonight at six o'clock and then uh, Tuesday, if you can go with us and be a help and a blessing, I'd encourage you to pray for little Miss Raylan. Uh, she'll be uh, singing the, one of the specials there Tuesday night and uh, just pray for her, pray for Brother Jacob, he'll be playing uh, and as well. And so just pray that we'd be able to go there and magnify the Lord and encourage uh, Brother James Parker and his church as well. I'm not going over there nor will I ever go to a church and try to straighten them out because uh, I, can't, I can't do it. And that's it it not what God's called me to do. But I'll go there and help and be a blessing and I'll edify and encourage and uh, just let be used of God. But Exodus chapter number 38, verse number 8, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, and he, speaking of Moses, or not necessarily Moses, but those who were working on the tabernacle, and he made the laver of brass, and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 4, I'll read it again so you may know I'm in the right verse this morning. Well, you're in the right verse. And he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure am grateful to be in the house of God this morning. Lord, I sure am grateful to be around the people of God. Lord, there isn't but one spirit in here. Lord, it's the Holy Spirit. Lord, there isn't but one salvation in here. It's by grace through faith. Lord, we've just gathered together, Lord, because, Lord, you drew us here. You've called us here. You've directed us here. And God, we came for one purpose this morning, that is to lift you up, to Lord, honor you, Lord, to give the glory that is due unto your name. Father, if it had not been for Calvary, if it had not been for an empty tomb, Lord, I was not there the day that you died. I was not there the day that you rose. But Lord, I was there the day that you saved me. Lord, April 3rd, 2015 is a day I'll never forget. Lord, there's a lot that I can't remember, but I'll never forget the day that I got saved by the grace of God. And I'm thankful, Lord, this morning, God, just this week, God, you stopped by the house and Lord, you saved my youngin'. Lord, I sure am grateful for that this morning. Lord, you've stopped by our church here recently and you've saved some folks. And God, you've stopped through here. God, you've encouraged us. You've strengthened us. God, you've carried us through some dark days. And Lord, we're grateful this morning. 
God, may our church never lose our heart of gratitude. God, we may, never, may we never get to the place, Lord, where we think that we've done anything or accomplished anything outside the grace of God. We sure are grateful this morning. I pray, Lord, you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, you'd get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, I just want to be an instrument in the hand of the Master this morning, used for your glory. Lord, when it's all said and done, I don't want the accolades, I don't want the, the, the well praises, Lord. I just want people to see Jesus. Father, help us this morning to, Lord, preach the word of God like you desire it to be preached this morning. Lord, we love and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I have not lost my mind, and I'll try my best this morning to help it make sense to you, but you're probably saying, preacher, what in the world is going on in Exodus chapter number 38, verse number eight? Out of all the verses in the Bible, preacher, on a Sunday morning, you pick a verse that's got words in it that I'm not even sure what they are. You read verse eight and you read through it and there's this word labor right there in the beginning. In the middle of it, there's these word, this word looking glasses and you're probably thinking, what in the world are those things? In order for this to make sense this morning, I've got to give you some definitions and I've got to give you an illustration this morning and I'll try my best to give you an object lesson this morning that you can take home with you. But the very first thing we have to define is what in the world is that laver? Let me ask you this one. How many of you got some lavers at the house, preacher? I got some soap in it, lathers, but I ain't got, I don't know about no laver, preacher. We don't use that word nowadays. We, we don't necessarily, may not even know what that is, but that laver was a brass basin within the tabernacle after the, after the altar of the burnt offering in between the holy of holies, there was the brass Laver, right? It wasn't a small bowl. It wasn't a. It wasn't a a a, a a a a minuscule object. But it was. It held water within it. It was probably somewhere around maybe the size of this pulpit. And those priests would go after offering the blood sacrifice on the burnt altar and making their way into the Holy of Holies. They would stop by that brass laver and they would wash their hands and wash their feet. I'm going to read Exodus chapter number 30, and it gives us the importance of this brass laver in the tabernacle. The Bible said in verse 17 of Exodus 30, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. And for Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. And when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar of ministering to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so shall they wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. We read that portion of scripture, we find out this laver of brass, this basin of water, it played a very significant part in the, 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 the Old Testament way of worship, the, the tabernacle and all of how that process played out. It was very important. Why? Because if it wasn't done right, the priest died. If it wasn't done the way that God outlined it and said for it to be done, in essence, if they skipped the brass laver, they were done. They died. It was significant. 
It was important. Can I say if something in your life dictates whether you live or die, I would say it's very important this morning. It's very significant in your life. But what it really pictures is there at the burnt offering, that's where the sacrifice was made. In essence, you are not allowed to go any further into the tabernacle until the sacrifice had been made. And we realize this morning the only way that you and I can do anything for God, it's not because we're smart enough. It's not because we've earned it. It's not because uh, we, we've got great ability. It's because Jesus was the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And through his blood and through his righteousness and through his sacrifice, we are made whole again this morning. In essence, you get in under the blood. But you realize when those priests headed into the Holy of Holies, that was their service. That's how they served God. And you get saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. But can I say before you step into service, there is going to be a brass laver in your life, a time of cleansing. See, the sacrifice dealt with the sin issue. The brass laver deals with the moral issue. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say in essence, you cannot serve God and live a dirty life. You can't hold hands with the world and try to hold hands with God and make everything work out. It's either one or the other. And here's the thing tonight. God has no desire to use dirty instruments to do his work. He said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto through the cleansing of the word of God this morning. And that's just God desires clean instruments. That labor was important in their day. Those priests would walk by and they'd wash their hands, they'd wash their feet, and then they would proceed into the holy of holies, into the very presence of God to do their service unto him. And can I say this morning, yes, you're saved by grace. Nothing you can do will earn salvation. Nothing you'll achieve will earn salvation. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ this morning. But when it comes time to serve God, there is a right way that it must be done. And preacher, what is that right way? It is God's way. We see the, the laver of brass, it was a vital instrument in the tabernacle. Then we see the construction of the laver in verse number 38, or chapter number 38, verse number 8. Only time this is mentioned in your King James Bible about the construction of this instrument, we are told what it's consistent of or what its consistency is. We know it's brass. We know that it is that element, that metal. But we also see where this brass came from. It said, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So this laver was built from brass that was given or from looking glasses that were given from the ladies that met outside of the tabernacle. They would aid and they would help in the service of the priests. They were uh, gophers. They'd get this. They'd help here. They'd do that. They did not go into the Holy of Holies, but they helped where they could. We see here these ladies bring their looking glasses and donated them or gave them to the construction of the brass laver. Here's what I want to preach on this morning. What you doing with your looking glass? Well, preacher, what in the world is a looking glass? See, our modern day, our modern idea is that these are looking glasses. Right now, they're off my eyes, and I'm looking, but I ain't seeing. 
We also have to realize that these things didn't come out until old Benjamin Franklin said, you know what, I'm going to put some glass in front of my eyes, see if it helps me see better. The looking glass that is referred here in Exodus chapter number 38 is this. It's a mirror. Now, modern day mirrors weren't biblical mirrors. This, what I'm holding in my hand, I had, I had a great idea. I was going to go to Lowe's. I was going to find me a piece of brass. I was going to shine it up and make it look real shiny and bring it in here. The only problem is I went to Lowe's. They didn't have a single small piece of brass, even though at first online said they did. And so I bought some other things for the house while I was there. Left them at the self-checkout when I left. <laughs> but I went back and got them. They gave them to me. <laughs> the guy said, you going to buy them again? I said, no, sir. Our little hooks that we were hanging some stuff on. I said, I've already paid for them one time. I don't feel like paying for them again. And one lady said, yeah, he ain't going to make no money off them. Just give them back to him. And uh, as long as he gives me a 10 on my, my, my survey, you can give them back to him. So I got to go do that survey before I forget. Go to Lowe's. Deal with a lady by the name of Sue. She'll help you out. <laughs> but these looking glasses were mirrors. In Bible days, they would have been a piece of brass. It was well polished and well shined up where you could see your reflection in it. I had to borrow this one from my wife. I had one from Miss Raylan, and it said uh, something about no drama in a llama. <laughs> That's a little compact mirror, a little personal mirror. They would have had these in the Bible. They wouldn't look like this. It would have been a, a mirror. It would have been a piece of brass shined up, ornate workings around it. Scholars believe that the majority of those Israelite women got those mirrors or those looking glasses from Egypt. Egyptian culture, they were used in their worship. They were used in their, their, their pagan religion as a form of worship. And the Bible tells that when Israel left out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians on the way out. In essence, those Egyptians were so ready for those Israelites to get out of there because, I mean, they're firstborn to die. There's plagues. Hurry up and get out. They were giving them everything they had for them just to get out of Egypt. And more than likely, a lot of those Israelite ladies came out with mirrors in their hands. But we see not only it's this labor was built from these brass mirrors, these brass looking glasses. <laughs> but oh, we also see who gave these looking glasses. The Bible said the women assembling. Well, preacher, I don't know about a group of women getting together. That sounds like a problem. Interesting that word assembling in your Bible carries a specific connotation to it. In essence, they weren't just assembling and gathering together. The word, the Hebrew word user gives us the understanding as a group preparing for battle. Mustering together for war. In essence, what are you trying to say? These ladies were serious. They weren't gathering just to talk about the latest trends and the latest thing. They were gathering together with a mindset that there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a God that we must serve. There's a world we must deny and we must be serious about it. Lester Roloff said it this way. It's not a recreation room, brother. It's a battlefield. In essence, tonight, the Christian, or this morning, the Christian life is not, some, not just a fun, relaxing thing. They ease through life and float down the river of life, but it is a battle this morning. It is a real battle. It's a real struggle. You better put on the full armor of God. You better be prayed up. You better be in the word of God. You better know what God has for you to do because this thing's real this morning. These ladies met together with that mindset that we ain't playing games. 
we're here for battle. We see and they come and they, they bring their looking glasses and they drop them off at the tabernacle for the construction of this laver brass or this uh, laver of brass this morning. And here's what I thought was interesting. Those workers of metal, the Bible gives their name, I can't remember them this morning, but the Bible gives their name. They didn't take those little mirrors and looking glasses and just attach them along a basin. They would have took them, they would have melted them down. In essence, they didn't take it and just sign it up in a few spots and attach it and make it a little bit better. No, they made it into a brand new creation. Well, aren't you glad when God saved you? He didn't just wipe off a few spots here and there and make you a little bit better than what you were before. He made you a brand new creature this morning, right? What's the Bible say? Behold, all things have become new this morning. I'm thankful this morning when he saved me by the, the grace of God, he didn't just fix a few of my problems. He made me a brand new man this morning. But this morning, me and you got looking glasses. We got mirrors, so to speak, in our life. Let me ask this more, what are you going to do with your, what are you going to do with your looking glass? Really, there's two things you can do with it this morning. I got two points for this morning. One, this mirror, this looking glass can be an instrument of selfishness. It can be an instrument of selfishness. <laughs> you ever looked in the mirror and thought, hey, there's something wrong with that mirror. <laughs> can I say there may, it's probably not the mirror. It's probably you this morning. And that's but when we say that what I'm actually seeing doesn't match up with what I think I should be seeing. The mirror may not lie, but sometimes we lie to about what we see, don't we? When we begin to put a spin on what we see in the mirror, it becomes an instrument of selfishness. See, those ladies could have grabbed that mirror and begin to see themselves with selfish pride. Look what I've done. Look what we've become. Look what we've achieved. Can I say pride is still a big issue in the life of a Christian? We like to point out those flagrant sins, those, those big sins, those, those sins that get everybody's attention, sexual sins, alcohol, drugs, pornography. You go down the line and all those things are not right and they are wicked and they're, they're not of God, Amen. But when we start talking about pride, everybody gets quiet. Preacher, talk about them over there. Well, they're in. We're going to get into that in a second. But pride is a big issue in the life of Christians. Proverbs 21, 4 still says a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. God doesn't call it, that's okay every now and again. He said, no, that is sin. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to look through the, our life and through the mirror and we'll begin to become arrogant about who we are and what we've achieved. We'll forget, had it not been for the grace of God, I wouldn't have a single standard. I wouldn't know what the right Bible is. I wouldn't know what a right church is. I would not know any of that this morning if it had not been for the grace of God. If we're not careful. This instrument, this looking glass can become something of arrogant pride. But notice this, not only can it become a, an instrument of arrogant pride, but sometimes we view it with apathetic pride. Preacher, what in the world is that? Arrogant pride says I'm, I'm better than what I really am. Or I think myself higher 
than what I really am. It's the opposite of arrogance. The apathetic means it goes from God to be grateful that I'm serving him to God would never use somebody like me. It's different, but it's still based on pride. Arrogant pride says, I don't need your help, God. Apathetic pride says, God, you can't help me. I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. I'm, I'm too bad. I, I've done too much. God, you can't help me. And I say they're different, but they're still based in pride. Do you honestly believe that Christ rose from the dead? Of course, preacher, I believe that. Then why are you doubting him? He, he, he cannot only use, it's not that he can only use you, but he wants to. See, oftentimes we find ourselves over here in our little pity party about all the things God can't do for us. And we neglect the fact that he rose from the dead. <laughs> Tell me one other person that's done that. He's the only one that has resurrection power. He can and he has and he will. But sometimes our pride isn't God, look at me. Our pride is God, you don't want me. Listen, if he didn't want you, he wouldn't have died for you. Sometimes this thing becomes an instrument of arrogant pride, apathetic pride. We look at ourselves and we begin to see ourselves not as God sees us. We forget that Ephesians tells us that we're all those things. We're blessed, we're saved, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're all of those things. And we begin to say, oh, God, you won't ever use somebody like me. <laughs> now, should God use somebody? Well, of course not. We're not perfect. But will God? Yes. Why? Grace. We view it with apathetic pride. We use it, view it with arrogant pride. Look what I've become. Well, I'll tell you what, it took me 33 years, but I sure I'm growing a beard now. <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's arrogant pride, sometimes it's apathetic pride, but sometimes we use that same mirror to get consumed with adjacent problems. Well, how many have ever rode anywhere with kids in the car? I mean, get real upset because you realize those are your kids. <laughs> Can't blame them. Those are my kids back there. But here's what I found out. Every car, just about every car, has got a mirror just about right here. And I don't know if you've ever done it before, had it done to you, ever had one of your parents pop that thing, look you in your God-given eyeball, and say, if you don't sit down and buckle up, I'll pop this car over right now. <laughs> Oh, I preach you. I've said it, and I've experienced it. But sometimes in our Christian life, instead of us looking at the mirror, oh, I see so-and-so over there. Oh, Lord, they got some problems. Lord, you need to straighten them out. Oh, oh, yep, there's Brother Kim over there. Boy, he's got issues. At least I ain't like him. And all of a sudden, what's supposed to be reflecting back to us where we need to work and what we need help on, wherever they're so consumed with everybody else, we're missing the point. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know why they put that mirror in your car? It ain't so you can straighten out your kids. It's really so if you're backing up or someone's coming behind you or if you're about to pass. Here's, here's the reality is when you get so consumed on this thing right here in the car, you ain't looking out that way. Can I say, hitting something out there is a lot more dangerous than somebody not sitting down in here. A lot of times in our Christian life, we get so consumed with everybody else we see in the mirror, 
we have no concern about what's going on in front of us, where God's trying to lead us to and what God's trying to do in our life. See, sometimes this can be an instrument of selfishness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, preacher, when it comes to other people, what, what should be my life verse when dealing and worried about other people? And that you stay to be quiet and to do your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you. Let me ask you this morning, when you look at the mirror of your life, are you giving or are you receiving an honest assessment? Or do you look at yourself through pride, arrogancy, or apathy? God will never use somebody like me, and he wants to. And the only thing that's waiting on him to use you is you. Or do you use it to get so consumed with everybody else's life? It can be an instrument of selfishness. But notice, secondly, this morning, it can be an instrument of service. Now, we've already said it this morning, covered it in the introduction. How did God, or how did that man make that brass laver, that basin of water? They took those looking glasses, those small pieces of brass that were beautiful by world standards, great craftsmanship, valuable, and melted them down and made something new out of them. But notice the placement of that laver. Those ladies came, they dropped off their looking glasses, their mirrors. That basin was made. And like I said, it wasn't a small little bowl of water where they just dipped their fingers in and they stuck their toes in. It contained a great amount of water. But you've got to realize, when that thing was made, it was shiny. It was in God's tabernacle. It was well taken care of. And I can imagine those priests, they've come through the blood sacrifice. They're walking into the holy of holies. And as they're approaching the brass laver, they can see their reflection. And as they see the reflection, they have to be honest with themselves. Am I clean? I'm forgiven, but am I clean? Am I living right? Am I doing right? The brazen altar was a place of sacrifice, a picture of salvation. The holy places where they served the Lord, the brass laver was in between the two of them. It was the purpose of getting clean. In essence, I've already said it, you won't serve God with dirty hands. He asked that we have a clean life. You do wrong. We understand this morning, I'm not preaching sinless perfection. We understand until we get to heaven, we receive our glorified body, glorified minds, all that stuff, that we are going to sin down here. It's not an if, it's a when. What do we do, preacher? Get clean. You don't get saved again. You don't get born again again. You get clean. You repent. You first John 1, 9. <laughs> I remember still, someone said it, it still sticks with me. You can't first John 1, 9 everything. Yes, you can. It's our only hope. <laughs> it's the only thing we have. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive him. Let me ask you, there's not one sin that isn't mentioned underneath. It says if we confess our sins, whatever they may be before, but here's the thing. Well, here's what we're tempted to do is I, I, I'm saved by the grace of God, but I have not been living right. I have not been doing right. I have not been, been clean or I have not been keeping my, not that you keep yourself clean, but I have not been allowing the Lord to lead me. And I've gone off into some dirty places and now I've got filth on me. You better be glad that you weren't alive in the days of Exodus. 
trying to walk into the holy place, God would have struck you dead. Why? God's serious. We've lost that in modern day Christianity. The seriousness of the holiness of God. It's a serious matter. It's a serious thing. We've got so accustomed to, well, turn the music up, turn the lights down, make me feel good, preacher, and I'll leave out of here. And I say, God's still holy. And he's not just holy, he's thrice holy. That means he's holy, holy, holy. He's more holy than you can imagine this morning. And he asks of me and you, in essence tonight, or this morning, it's a a desire in our heart. Lord, I want to be clean. Lord, I want you to take my life and, and, and use it as you see fit. And Lord, if there's issues there, please tell me. You won't serve God with dirty hands, a dirty heart or dirty minds. You'll only serve him cleanly. <laughs> yeah, this is not a 2023 message. <laughs> Preacher, just make me feel good. I'm trying. But can I say it's a whole lot better to live the Christian life clean than it is dirty what pleases God. Let me ask you this morning, how clean's your mirror? How clean's your life? What sin has the Holy Ghost been dealing with you about? You just keep pushing it off. I'll be fine. It'll get better by itself. No, it won't. There's only one way to deal with sin. Well, yes, there's two ways, only, only one right way. The right way is to confess it, be honest with God. The wrong way is to try to cover it up. Here's the thing, you can never cover up sin without committing more sin. You'll have to lie, be dishonest, not just with fellow people, but with God himself. Well, you gotta be clean, be clean. It'd be one thing if God said, listen, if you mess up, I'm done with you. He said, but if you do mess up, here's how you get it clean. Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed according to the word, of, according to thy word. Here's the interesting thing. <laughs> My goodness, it's coming together this morning. For me, it is at least. <laughs> I hope it is for you. He approaches that brass laver. That priest sees himself in the, in, in, the, in the shine of the mirrors, or once what was once mirrors, and he knows there's an issue there. And he knows there's a problem there. But he looks in and finds out God already had a solution. How do I fix this? Just wash yourself. I don't know how the water got in there, but it was in there. The means for the cleansing was already, what are you trying to say? God already had it prepared for him. It's amazing. It ain't changed, has it? Just like the priest washed himself with the cleansing water in the, in the laver of brass, you and I are to wash ourselves with the cleansing water of the word of God this morning. Second Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with open face, beholding as glass the glory of the Lord, are, ch- are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of... In essence, tonight, what it, preacher, what is, what, what is the cleansing water of my life? It is this. He calls it a mirror. He calls it water. He calls it... And you've got to realize this one, before there was ever a, a piece of metal, right? Before there was a piece of metal that you and I could look into and see ourselves. I'm going to have to clean this back before I get... It's got spit all over it. <laughs> Right before we ever looked at one of these, you know the very first mirror man ever had was still water. <laughs> What's the Bible again? It's the water. Boy, when you look at this, boy, it'll show you some things in reflection. 
We don't like to admit, but we know ain't nothing wrong with this. There ain't no issue with this. It's with us. And when he reveals the issue in our life, he's not revealing it so we can ignore it. He's revealing it so we can get it fixed, so we can get it cleansed. Preacher, I feel like I want to serve the Lord, but it's just, it seems like I'm spinning tires. It's just not working. It's just not going the way I thought. Well, let me ask you, are you clean? Are you clean? Because God ain't, God, <laughs> you know, in baseball, I don't care how far you hit it over the fence. If you skip first base, you're out. You got to touch all, all bases before you touch home plate or you'll be out. Can I say, God don't skip first base either. God, you're going to do it God's way or it's not going to be done. And we can try, our, and try to pretend like there aren't issues there, there aren't problems. I'm not preaching this because I know there's issues in, in someone's life and I'm preaching because God put it on my heart. He wouldn't let, let me get away from it. God sent me this one to ask you, are you clean? This was not the way I've seen it going, but it's, it's we're here. Are you clean this morning? Are you clean? You don't have to admit to me whether or not you are. But God's probably already dealt with you this morning. And you're going to put it off again? Or are you going to say, all right, Lord, clean me up. Lord, I repent of it. I know it's wrong. I know it's not right. Lord, you take your word and cleanse me and make me clean again. Let me ask you this morning, are you content? Are you content with just how you I have no idea what I wrote. Are you content with just how you use your looking glass or are you using it for the glory of the Lord? There's a lot of people, oh, they, they have the looking glass. It's expensive. They've got calf skin on it. It's got gold around the pages of it. It's got 17 of these things in there. And it's where it sits all week long. Right there on the coffee table. The trunk of the car, dashboard, wherever it may be. And it sits there all week, all week long. And you're struggling and you're tired and you, you can't figure out how to get things right. Open up the book. Look in the mirror of the word of God this morning and let God clean you. You're saved by the grace of God. You got covered the day you got saved. The blood was applied to your life. You are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. But when it comes time to serve him, God said, hey, it's time to clean up some things. It's time to get some things right and fixed. And here's the thing. We read about Exodus 38. If they weren't, they died. Those men weren't clean when they walked into the Holy of Holies. They died. History tells us they would put those bells on their legs and if the ringing stopped, they'd pull the body out because the priest had died. Can I say, don't be shocked when you try to serve God with an unclean life and it dies. And it doesn't work. And God said, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it clean. Let me ask you this one. What are you doing with your looking glass? Are you building yourself up or are you saying, all right, Lord, it's time to get cleaned up because there's some issues but you've given me what I need to get clean. So Lord, I'm coming to you to get clean this morning. What are you doing with your looking glass? It's an instrument of service, but it can't be an instrument of selfishness. What are you using it for? This one, let's all stand this one, every head bowed, every eye closed.